everybody and welcome to a new episode of Evie's Korean Drama Podcast Show. My name is Evie, I'm your host, and I am a K-drama obsessive. So this is the show where I waffle on about all of the K-drama that I love. If you'd like to support the show, you can check out my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Evie Korean Drama Podcast. There you will find extra podcast episodes and updates on what I'm watching at the moment. Also, just before I get started, please be warned that I do swear a little bit on this show when I get excited. And when I'm talking about K-drama, I always get excited. Alright, so I thank you very, very much for listening and let's get on with the K-drama show. everybody i'm here to chat about k-drama with you all this week and the drama that i'm going to be chatting about today is called a korean odyssey also known as hwayuki uh, so a korean odyssey is a 20 episode fantasy romance drama and when i say 20 episodes i mean 20 long episodes <laughs> like i feel like these episodes were 90 minutes like almost an hour and a half per episode so at 20 it's it's actually quite long when i think about it now gosh um so a Korean Odyssey came out in 2017, so the very, very end of 2017, going across to the beginning of 2018. It's quite a, oh, it's interesting. I think, so this is a Hong sisters drama, and the Hong sisters are I think very famous as writers in K-drama land. Of course, the drama that they followed this one up with was um, bloody, what's it called? <laughs> Um, Hotel de Luna. <laughs> and it's such an interesting thing. I really wonder. I think there's so many similarities between a Korean Odyssey. It's obviously written by the same people. I think it has some of the same kind of ideas and feel as Hotel de Luna. And I do wonder, I wonder about your enjoyment of these two dramas. Like, is it kind of wrapped up into which one you see first? Because then it's this really fresh experience was, I think, for me. So it's just, I, okay, <laughs> I'm all over the place. So A Korean Odyssey slash Hwayuki for me was a K-drama club watch. So this means that I watched it with my friend Lizzie. We don't live near each other. We just watch it and then we chat about it, which is a lot of fun for someone like me who used to have no K-drama friends at all. Um, so A Korean Odyssey is one of Lizzie's absolute top most favorite K-dramas ever. And she wanted to share it with me. So it was a rewatch for her, but it was my very first time, which is, you know, this is a pretty old drama and I hadn't seen it before. Um, but I think I kind of went off the Hong sisters for a little while, um, just kind of got a bit burnt by some of their dramas. And I remember I really avoided Korean Odyssey and also Hotel de Luna. Um, and I just happened to watch Hotel de Luna first. And it's a very interesting experience for me to then go back and watch a Korean Odyssey because I feel like there's a lot of similarity. They're very different dramas. Like they really are. They do have a different feel and aesthetic and tone. But I can see so many ideas that pop up in a Korean Odyssey that I feel then, I don't know, a, a stem into Hotel de Luna, but are expanded in a very different way. And I'm just interested because it's kind of a conversation that Lizzie and I had. Like, do you think that between these two dramas that do have so many similarities that your favorite and the way you feel about them as two different kind of projects might come down to which one you see first? So what's the, you know, the one that kind of, I guess, lodges in you first? Does that make sense? <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to say is this drama, Korean Odyssey, is like it's Lizzie's, one of Lizzie's favorites. And I really, really enjoyed this. But I have to say that for me personally, I think Hotel de Luna kind of trumped it. But then I'm like, is that just because I saw Hotel de Luna first? <laughs> I don't know, guys. I don't know. I'd be interested to hear what other people kind of had as their experience, particularly if you've watched both. Um, 
So A Korean Odyssey, like I said, 20 episodes, quite long episodes, but there is a lot in this story, I think, to unpack. Um, I've already kind of talked about why I picked it up and why I watched it. Um, obviously, this was a K-drama club. We take turns picking, but this was something that I've, I've been meaning to watch it for so long. I've been wanting to watch, but because I had that sort of not great, I think, experience with the Hong sisters for a while, I was kind of just... I didn't want to kind of throw myself into one of their dramas again. But after watching Hotel de Luna, I started getting super interested in watching this because I had such a good experience with Hotel de Luna. And like I said, oh, I can just see so many threads between them. This kind of mix of oh, really sweeping epic fantasy romance, this really interesting kind of uniquely thought out I think world and rules and magic but particularly in both stories I think the thing that seems the biggest thread to me is that there are consequences like there is such tough rules and consequences for these characters and the thing that's so interesting about that, I think, in a Korean Odyssey is that unlike Hotel, I'm sorry, I keep mentioning Hotel de Luna, but it's going to happen. But unlike Hotel de Luna that has this gothic, dark atmosphere that I think really, it's, you know, really feels like tragedy could happen in that show because it has this bittersweet tragedy around it just in the feel of the show. A Korean Odyssey does not. This show feels zingy and fizzy and quite fun. It's really snappy sort of bickering dialogue, like some very kind of oh, comedic kind of funny characters. And this through so this really, for me, light, almost comedic tone quite a lot throughout the drama. And yet when this show gets dark, it gets fucking dark, <laughs> which is really, really interesting. Um, and I think potentially my favorite thing about this show was, oh, even though it shocked me how dark it went in terms of what it was willing to do to its characters and also oh, it's just some stuff, I think, around the monsters in it um, that I really particularly loved. So even though that stuff kind of like it really surprised me, I think it was some of my favorite aspects of the show, um, which again, I can see those aspects as such a huge part of Hotel de Luna, that darkness. It's just that I didn't expect that in this one. So it sounds weird to say that it was a fun surprise <laughs> that it got so dark and bloody and tragic, um, but it was weird. All right. So I'll talk a bit about the casting of A Korean Odyssey. So this is a stacked cast. There are so many people in this. And then on top of the really famous, you know, main cast members, there are so many. There's some famous cameos. And then on top of that, there is just a whole bunch of faces that you will recognize from around K-drama land in a million other dramas. So our lead character, uh, Sono Gong, who is, oh, so I should say this, this drama is based on What's it called? Um, the classic Chinese novel, Journey to the West, um, which correct me if I'm wrong, but is that that show, um, you know, it was a show that was on TV in my country when I was a little kid. I think that it was dubbed when we watched it. I actually don't know, but the, um, I have forgotten what that show is called, called Monkey, Monkey King. Um, so I think it's kind of like that, that same story, but obviously this is given a big twist and reinterpreted in a different way. So the actor Lee Sung Gi plays the main character who is a monkey king and he's also, his real name is Sono Gong. Um, so Lee Sung Gi is an actor who is, oh, he's huge, like he's hugely famous. He's in a lot of stuff. What is he in? Um, so he was in My Girlfriend is a Gumiho from a long time ago. He was in Goo Family Book and more recently he was in Vagabond and also the quite serious crime drama Mouse. So I haven't seen all of Lee Sung Gi's dramas. I really like him. I find him very charming, but he's not one of those dudes that I obsessively follow around K-drama land. Although I might point out that I'm pretty sure Lizzie does. <laughs> just to dub her in here. <laughs> um, but he's very good in this. And for me, he was an interesting choice that I thought worked very well in this role. I think Lee Sung Gi, whenever I think of this actor, I feel like he, you know, he's very charming, but there's this 
very like boyish warmness to him, which I think is why in Korea, you know, isn't he like a golden boy? He's like the boy next door, like, you know, the perfect boy next door or son-in-law. or He's one of those, got that kind of image to him. Um, but I do think he has this warmth about him that is very interesting to, I think, see him play a character with who's very cheeky and very warm, but has these like razor sharp edges that border on like some really scary stuff. And yet all with this very charming kind of boyish warm smile. So it was a really interesting combination for me and I really liked it. Um, So there's kind of, so there's, I wouldn't say second male lead, because I think, um, so this is the actor Cha Sung Won, who is again, big famous actor. He does so many movies, like it's insane, but also a lot of dramas. Um, and Cha Sung Won plays a character called, it says Woo Wee. I don't think that's what my sub said, but that's what this, <laughs> this, this side is saying. Woo Wee. So he, he plays the Devil King. I think I'll just call him Devil King because that makes, that feels better to me. Um, so Cha Sung Won, he's, he, kind of the second male lead but he's also sort of just got his own thing and I almost feel like the two guys have huge roles I suppose really this drama is um Sonogong so the monkey king played by Isungi. it's his drama he's the main character and then I feel like the female lead and Cha Sung Won's character Devil King both kind of have equal footing I that's kind of how I see it anyway um, so Cha Sung Won is an actor. I think he does a lot of variety shows as well, um, but he's been in, what has he been in? Um, heaps of dramas. I think most recently for me, um, I saw him in a Korean gangster movie from 2021 called Night in Paradise, but he's just one of those dudes who just seems to be in everything all the time. Um, I actually quite like him. In this drama, he plays Devil King and he is... Again, very interesting. He's absolutely there for comedic value. Like he's over the top, very silly, crazy stuff happening, like very, you know, larger than life. Um, so he's very much there to bicker with our main character, Sono Gong, and to kind of, kind of, you know, just stir the pot and have problems. Um, but then he has this insanely interesting kind of very tragic backstory that has a very different tone to when you're seeing him, you know, be a silly sort of fake celebrity and all the stuff that he does in this drama. So I quite like that tonal shift. And I thought that the kind of the storylines, the personal storylines that his character Devil King gets is pretty cool. I really liked them. I'll talk about them later. Uh, the female lead is played by an actress called Oyeon So, uh, and her character's name is Sonmi. So Oyeon So as an actress is, I think this is my first ever drama that I have ever seen her in, actually, um, which is interesting because she's actually been in a whole heap of stuff. I think most recently, I imagine that a lot of listeners will have seen her in the dramas Mad for Each Other, which is a 2021 drama, or another drama called Love with Flaws from 2020, which is also in My Sassy Girl and just a whole bunch of stuff going back. This was my first time ever seeing her. And I have to say, my gosh, this woman is fucking beautiful. Like she is gorgeous to look at. But I also want to say that I, I know she's meant to like, clearly she doesn't care about clothes and things like that, which I have to say, again, Hotel de Luna went the full opposite with their female lead. Although I guess in this drama, um, Isungi's character Sonogong is the flamboyant one who gets the mad wardrobe. More on that later. Um, but the female lead played by Oyonso, she literally just wears like this black coat, which is cinched in at the waist with like a handbag handbag and just black pants for the entire drama I think she changes out of this like and everything she wears is all different but it's all exactly the same and very just businessy and severe and oh I don't know I don't want to say I liked it because it wasn't interesting for me to look at and I, she's such a beautiful woman like you know you just want to see her all you know dressed up and looking lovely but she just wears this really severe outfit but then on the flip side another part of me is like I kind of love that she just goes through this big journey of falling in love and doubting herself and going through all this this 
emotional crap basically that this character Sonmi has to go to and she really you know she's not interested in fashion and this does not change the whole way through she never really goes on a like trying to doll herself up to sort of attract him or anything like that and that is something that I do really appreciate even though I guess you know my eyes would have appreciated to see this unbelievably beautiful actress all dressed up in some amazing outfits but that was not what happened but Frankly, there's so much crazy fashion in this drama that probably it's a good thing that she's low key. <laughs> All right, so there's only a few more, I think, um, faces that I will talk about. So, Lee Hong, uh, Hongki. So Lee Hongki is plays a character called PK or Dweji. So he's like the the piggy piggy character. Um, I liked him. He plays. So PK in this is this mad sort of K-pop celebrity dude, but he's also a pig demon thing and I don't know he's just very cute I suppose he has like kind of platinum hair and wears just the most insane stuff I think the only person who wears more insane stuff in this drama might be Lee Sung-ki um who wears some some pretty nutso stuff I thought but actually quite fun to look at all this insane clothes um so Lee Hong-ki kind of just plays, he's more of a side character, but the reason that I mentioned him is because he's quite charming and he's very cute and sweet, but I think also he's, his character sort of has a tie-in to the final one that I'll mention, um, played by the actress Lee Se-young. So Lee Se-young for me in this, so she plays a character called, it says Bong Soon, is that what her name was? She plays a zombie called, I think, Pooja or something. Anyway, um, zombie. We'll just call her zombie. So Lee Young in this. So she's an actress that I very, very much so love and really I enjoy. I just really like her. I always try her dramas and see if I, you know, if I'm going to watch them um, just because she is so good, I think. So as I record this, she has a K-drama upcoming called The Red Sleeve Cuff in 2021, which I am fucking dying to watch. It is a historical and it looks bloody great. She was also in Kairos, which is a time travel drama from 2020 which I want to see, Memorist, which I still haven't seen from 2020. I've got to watch that drama. Um, the Crown Clown, which I've seen, and one of uh, a drama that, you know, it's not the best drama, but for some reason I really liked it, probably because it's got Yoon Ji Yoon in it. Um, she was also in a drama called Hit the Top from 2017. Um, and the first drama I ever saw Lee Young in was a drama called Vampire Detective from 2016. Uh, yeah, so I love this actress. I love her so much. And she is, I feel like she's such a runaway role in this. Like her character is oh, tragic, but just so likable and so interesting. And the whole storyline around her is fucking fascinating, actually. I really like, she, she was my favorite, <laughs> but you know, I'm, I really like this actress, but yeah, her character is wonderful. So there's a load of other characters, um, faces, and just heaps of people that you'll know if you watch it. But I'd say that that's enough. So should you watch A Korean Odyssey slash Hwayugi? Yeah, I think so. I think this is a really fun drama. I think if you like romance fantasy, which I feel like there was a time when I thought I didn't like that. And now I'm like, I think I do like that. What's going on? <laughs> but I guess your taste does change. Um, so I think definitely like if, if the setup, which and the setup is actually amazing I think just the concept behind the show is one of the best things about it it's so clever in kind of a tropey way but also not like so good anyway talk about that um in a little while um but I do think this is worth your time I think I do wonder like if you've seen Hotel de Luna first would you like this as much because it is so many of these similar ideas but I think explored in slightly different ways and I think I have to say personally for myself, I think Hotel de Luna owns my heart. I think that drama's kind of exploration of the ending of things was just something that hit me so hard in such an unexpected way. Um, and also I think the kind of general gothic aesthetic of that drama is something that personally really worked for me. This drama is very different. It's, I think, much more zingy and kind of fun but it's not fluffy like it's got its dark dark pieces as well which and it, it goes quite dark but at the same time i think overall this one's more fun i think it's an easier watch 
even though the ending is pretty intense. So yeah, I do think this one's worth your time. It's got a great ensemble cast. They've got great chemistry. And like, I feel like the banter between these characters and just the way they all interact is, you know, that's one of the big, I think, reasons to watch this one. All right, so I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about the story setup of A Korean Odyssey. All right, so a little bit of the story set up for A Korean Odyssey, and you guys will have to kind of forgive me a little bit because so normally I finish watching a drama and I try and record, you know, my, my thoughts about it as soon as I can before all those thoughts recede <laughs> out of my brain. <laughs> but I did not have time to record it um, just because things have been so hectic lately. So what I did to kind of circumnavigate everything falling out of my brain was I wrote or like down a whole bunch of notes around the things that I wanted to talk about. And now all this time later, I've sat down to look at my notes and I can't fucking read them. <laughs> my handwriting is honestly the fucking worst in the entire world. So bear with me, I guess. We'll see how this goes. All right. So this drama kind of opens with Sonmi's character as a child. So Sonmi is a little girl who is kind of ostracized by all the other kids. They bully her because she can see ghosts. She doesn't really know always how to differentiate, I think, between what's real and what's not. So she's not able to, you know, pretend that she doesn't see them in a way that, of course, she does when she's older. So she's very connected, I suppose, to the spirit world and all these different things. And she has a grandma who at the beginning of the drama, I think, has already passed away. So Sonmi is so lonely and alone and isolated and unhappy from such a young age. And really, it's such a funny thing. Again, you know, this show is very light in tone. It feels very fun. But our heroine is completely She's so damaged, really. She really doesn't know how to, oh, I don't know. Not that she doesn't know how to connect with people. It's just that she hasn't been able to, I think, because of her circumstances. But the main thing about this heroine is that she is so desperate to be loved, you know, when we catch up with her again. But even at this point in the show, she is so desperate that it is, oh, it kind of gets you. It makes you feel very sad for her. Um, it's just, it's quite full on, I think, this desperation she has. And it puts her, I think, in very vulnerable, you know, positions in that she's always kind of on the weaker side because she wants it so badly. And she gets into these situations where, you know, the other person is not necessarily willing to give her this love that she wants so badly. So anyway, when she's a little kid, she's out walking. She thinks she sees some mad ghost, but it's actually a mad actor, Cha Sung Won, wearing a fucking top hat. He looks like a Korean Willy Wonka. He looks kind of great, actually, <laughs> but also a bit insane. Um, and, you know, she has this little yellow umbrella, which she kind of uses to ward off ghosts. And anyway, he's like, whoa, like this little kid clearly has some sort of ability, like he's there. I can't remember if he's come specifically to find her or whatever, but he basically, so this is Cha Sung Won's character, who is this devil king. So the devil king is at this point in the drama, um, I don't know what he's trying to do. Like, is he trying to free Monkey? Anyway, he and Monkey have this big, like, so uh, Isungi's character, Sonogong, have this big, long history <laughs> where they've sort of beat at each other's throats and causing a lot of problems for each other. And I want to say frenemies. This is what this is. These two, these two dudes kind of love each other and are made for each other and are as petty and bickering as each other. But... Also trying to do some pretty bad stuff to each other as well. Kind of an interesting dynamic there. Um, so Devil King kind of, I don't know, he manipulates on me into going into this weird house in this weird kind of wood place because she can see it. And, you know, she doesn't realize, but is kind of because he wants, I can't remember 
remember if he's actually trying to free Monkey or if he's just trying to do something fucked up. Sorry, guys. Oh, my gosh. I can't even remember. Um, I'm sure Lizzie is listening to this being like, oh, my gosh, she's got it all wrong. <laughs> Sorry, Lizzie and everyone else who's seen this drama. Um, anyway, Sonmi heads off into this little house because she's been manipulated by what's it? The Devil King. So she turns up in there and Sonogong is in there. And Sonogong is, of course, a grown up Isungi against now this tiny little girl. And he is locked up in there, we realize. So it's punishment for something he's done in the past. And he he really wants to get out. He wants to get out of this kind of house arrest that he's under. So he starts manipulating poor little Sonmi again to... Um, so I think maybe Sonmi was meant to go in there and get something and bring it out and make sure that she definitely didn't talk to the monkey guy. Um, but of course, she d- does end up talking to him. And he offers her, like, I'm, I think it's that, you know, protection, friendship, like, that they can, that she can say his name, basically, and he'll come at any point. And again, like, that's pretty dark, you know, playing on a tiny child's absolute desperation for a friend, for affection, for love. But Sonogong is, you know, he's just this, I don't know, he's, he's, he's so charming and warm, but then so dark with these things. Like he's so willing to push so far around this stuff, which I really enjoyed that kind of, oh, I don't know, that clash within, I think, for me personally, the actor Isungi and this character that he's playing that just is willing to be so razor sharp about things. So he manages to make poor little Sonmi believe that, you know, they're going to be best friends forever, I guess. And so he needs a human to allow him to escape this prison. And she does what he asks, but she thinks that, you know, they've made a deal. She thinks she's been clever enough to make sure that he's not tricking her or manipulating her. And that that thing is that he says what his name is and she can call it. So she knows what his name is. And then suddenly they whirlwind out of this house and they're in this, I loved this scene, in this mad field with this like mountain on fire in the background and these like mad windmills everywhere. It's so surreal and beautiful. I loved this whole conversation. I think it's so well done. And basically Sonmi's like, this is great. Now, you know, every time I'm in trouble or see a ghost or I'm afraid or all alone, I'm going to call Sonogong's name and he's going to come running and save me. And Sonogong is just like, nah, this isn't happening. And he literally plucks the memory of her name out of her brain, laughs in her face, and then whirlwinds the hell out of there and leaves her all alone. And then we flash forward like something like 30 years, I think. And this poor little girl has grown up into this very kind of severe, lonely, and yet absolutely insanely gorgeous woman, Sonmi. Um, And she's still just as desperate for, I think, affection and love, but also she just doesn't have, I think, I don't know, any sort of belief that it could ever happen because I think people have just treated her like such, like, I guess like they've treated her like she's a weirdo, like she's, there's something wrong with her and her family's so cruel to her and everyone's so cruel except, so she has like um, a real estate business where she works and her whole thing is that she buys for very cheap um, prices, like old buildings or just any building that has, um, I guess like is cursed or whatever. So for instance, someone might buy the building, but then everyone dies in there every single time, you know, someone moves, moves in there and they don't know, but the place is cursed or the place has ghosts or whatever. And she can go and kind of banish these things and deal with it. And then she can resell it for like a lot higher. So she's actually like super well off. So she's a great businesswoman. So I will just mention, um, she has a right-hand dude at work. who's like her underling played by an actor called Kim Sung-oh and his character's name is Hanju. But, um, this kind of right-hand dude at work, um, I really like this actor. He was in another Hong sisters drama called Warm and Cozy, which is the worst drama in the whole world. (laughs) Don't watch that drama. Well, he was very good in it. Um, and he's very nice in this. He's so charming. He's kind of a comedy kind of comedic relief, but I just loved his whole relationship with her and with his kids and with his wife, who's this very nice, charming character. Also the only sort of like normal kind of straight, non-magical person in the whole drama. Um, so yeah, their whole thing together was a lot of fun. And obviously he's very scared of her and he keeps wanting to quit, but you know, 
you know that he really cares about her a lot. And particularly as the drama goes along, you get to see their relationship, which I really liked. Um, so something happened and for the life of me, I can't fucking remember what it was, <laughs> but, um, Sonmi finds out that she's some sort of magical being and basically her blood smells like beautiful lotus flowers and every single fucking demon in the whole world wants to eat her alive and murder her because they're going to become insanely powerful if they do. She kind of comes across, um, I'm, there's a whole bunch of shit that happens in there, by the way, <laughs> but she does come back across Sonogong again in the future. And she kind of, I don't know, it's really interesting. She, it's like she's been waiting for him all this time. I think she's still got this seed of like childish hope. And I think it's because her grandmother said, you know, that she would have someone, someone would come and protect her. And she just has it that it's going to be Sonogong. And she knows that if she could just remember his name, that basically he would have to come every time she wanted him to. Um, but of course she doesn't. The memory's been taken. But when they meet up again, it kind of in order, I think, to stop him from just running off, um, she pretends that she can remember his name. She really plays, a, it's very funny, like back and forth, this kind of mind game where he's really quite worried that potentially um, she really does know this and have all this power over him. But of course she doesn't. And this is one of those interesting things too, because at first it's like, it's very, you know, it's not very, it's not innocent because she's obviously like, you know, very angry at him, but it's kind of bickering. It's fun. It's kind of sassy back and forth between them. And then there's a point where Sonogong just like flips and suddenly you're like, oh my gosh, this guy could, he could sort of, he might sort of kill her. <laughs> like it's really scary. And it's just such a weird thing because he's so likable and kind of sassy and charming. And then suddenly you're like, he might, like you believe that he might do something extremely bad to this woman. Um, so she obviously has to tell him the truth because I don't know, was he going to kill her? Maybe. <laughs> so I can't remember what it is that triggers like Sonmi's sort of transformation into this, this being whose blood is like all lotusy. but this happens and Sonogong very, very badly wants to eat her. <laughs> So he's like, at this point, he's like following her around and he, he's, he's going to eat her. This is what's going to happen. But he's also protecting her from all the other ghosts that are trying to eat her. Um, and so of course this, all this stuff happens. Um, you know, they're kind of like fighting and Sonmi kind of gets, I'm really just jumping all over the place and also jumping over the surface of things here um, because it's been a while since I watched it. Sorry. Um, but basically Sonmi gets like sucked into this painting where this like creepy groom demon is trying to marry a whole bunch of ladies. Ugh, gross. And it's all Joseph times and Sonogong has to go save her. Um, but of course, meanwhile, I forgot to say she has met up with some of the other characters and Devil King as a way to kind of get back at Sonogong because they're just at each other's throats all the time in a very amusing way, has given Sonmi this bracelet. And this bracelet has the power to make Sonogong basically her slave, realistically, to make her the master of him. Um, and I think does someone tell her his name? Anyway, I can't remember. Sorry. <laughs> so Sonogong has to go and save her. Um, and this is another thing that I think is really interesting. Actually, I might, I'll just talk about what happens first and then I'll go into it. But so Sonogong ends up saving her from like this weird Joseon thing, but, and she realizes or she finds out from Devil King that she has to kiss him to activate his like little bracelet thing and turn him into her slave, which he's you know, he's not that into. Um, and then she's able to save him from this world by, you know, sucking him out by calling his name or whatever. Um, but the thing that I really like is, so Sonogong does become Sonmi's kind of slave dude really early on in the drama. And then the whole big, which I just thought was absolute gold, like the concept that you're the framework for the whole drama is, does Sonogong really love her or not? Because the bracelet makes him love her. So of course he's like, I know this isn't real, but this is also how I feel, which is amazing conflict. Like how good is that for a romantic setup? But the thing I like is that even though this happens very soon in the drama, 
us viewers, I think, as we get to see quite a few moments where Son Gong is very impacted by Son Mi's presence. He's clearly, there's something going on there, but she doesn't see it. So she has this massive, terrible doubt that, you know, when he starts professing his love to her and as the drama progresses and she's falling in love with him, but she's trying to stop herself because she doesn't believe that this is real love on his side. And the fascinating thing, of course, is that he also doesn't believe it's real. But for us viewers, I think the drama did a really good job of before he, you know, falls in love with her because of his slave bracelet thing. (laughs) um, I think the drama does a good job of just showing us enough sort of peppered moments between them of him reacting to things she said or done or being near her so that we can see that his heart is naturally without the bracelet turning towards her. And I really like that. So you can watch, you know, poor Sonmi is suffering over this throughout the length of the drama. But I think as a viewer, we understand like what's going on internally with Sono Gong in a way that I think he doesn't and she doesn't. And I really, really liked that. I thought this setup, I'm like, I've honestly explained this. Is is this the worst that I've ever explained a drama? I don't know. (laughs) Oh my gosh. But um, the con- like the framework, the concept of this idea of this guy wants to kill her because she has power that will enable him to, I don't know, transcend or do whatever the fuck he's, he's trying to do. I can't remember. <laughs> but this bracelet makes him in love with her. So he knows this. He knows it's not real. He knows it's the bracelet. He knows that really he's her like weird slave. But he can't help the way that he feels and how he feels is that he's in love with her. And, you know, this goes on for so long that he will say something like unbelievably romantic or get all in her face in this way that just makes her blush or whatever. And then the next second, Sonogong will turn around and be like, but, you know, really, I'm you know going to murder you as soon as this thing's off. Like, actually, I don't like you at all. And just this push and pull of... Oh, I just can't like it for her. It's agony because she is falling in love with him because he's doing this one thing that she's so desperate for, which is being by her side consistently. Um, so much happens in this drama that I feel like, oh my gosh, it's so hard to even touch on it. There's so many characters. All the characters have their own like quite a lot of them quite big stories. I feel like the whole thing shifts into like, you know, impending apocalypse towards the end. Um, but there's just so many different threads in this show to even, oh my gosh. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot going on. So even though I feel like I said a lot about what happens, it also just barely even touches the surface. Um, so that's probably all I'm going to say about so- story setup. And I'm very sorry that I did such a bad job. Oh my gosh. You should probably just watch the drama. I think um, that would be a better kind of approach. So I'm going to talk about some stuff that I loved about Huayuki next. All right, so stuff that I love from my very messy notes. This is kind of a weird one to start with, um, but something I really liked at the start was there's this whole scene. Um, so when Sonmi kind of first meets Devil King and stuff, and I, I think they go to this like this shaman sort of shop, basically, where this grandson, um, played by an actor, K-pop dude called One, who is also in Arthdal Chronicles and is, you know, pretty cute (laughs) um and he and his grandma kind of run this shop and i really liked his whole kind of reveal at the end the grandson's reveal was really well done but anyway uh so sonmi goes to the shop and as she's kind of waiting for i think the devil king's going to get that bracelet to enslave um sonogong or whatever and she kind of looks into this pot and this pot is this really dangerous thing that when the grandson realizes this, he's like, oh my gosh, don't look in that pot. But she does look in the pot. And we see this image of like her dressed up as a Joseon era bride and leaning up and kissing Sonogong. And it's, you know, and it's supposed to be a true thing, this you know, whatever she sees in this pot. I loved it because I'm like, oh, is this a past life? Like, what is this? Is this the future? What does it mean? Like, it's such a, I don't know, it's such an interesting kind of hook around their first kiss because at this point he, he 
he really wants to kill her. Like he's really trying to murder her. So you just cannot see how this is going to happen. But of course she gets sucked into this like alternate, you know, Joseon era world where this demon's trying to marry her. And then in order to, you know, um, activate the bracelet or whatever Sonmi has to kiss Sonogong and I really liked all that I found it like it was really fun to see it to know it was going to happen but to absolutely not understand what possible circumstances could lead to that exact moment and it was really fun also to see that it was in the future and not the past like you immediately suspect because of her Joseon era outfit anyway that was a really random one but I really liked it um, so I think my absolute favorite thing about this show is the fact that so all the main characters other than Sonmi and her little sidekick at work are monsters, like they are actual monsters. And I think the thing that I loved most is that the drama does not pull back from what being a monster is. So a lot of them are trying to, you know, I think gain points to like ascend or whatever or be a deity back like they used to be before they were, I know, chucked out because they were shit or whatever. <laughs> um, but they are monsters. They're demons and they're, you know, you just kind of get lulled into forgetting this because, you know, you see Devil King and Sonogong like bickering at each other and you see, you know, this silly sort of hijinks and funny stuff. And then they will, you know, think, oh, the only solution to this current problem is for Sunmi to... um get stabbed up and die and everyone is like okay with it they're totally fine like the way that they discuss human death and murder and they just they they living on a different level and this I just found it so fascinating because I think you just forget you think oh it's one of those shows where everyone's like you know finger almost a monster but they never do anything bad whilst in this these characters are constantly willing to do really bad things that I think shocked me every time because in between that, you're made to really love them. They're, they're kind of lovable and silly and then they do something that you're like, whoa, that's dark. So the heaps of times, um, but one, you know, particular, I guess, that I'm thinking of, you know, Sonmi, she gets like, I mean, she gets sucked into a storybook or whatever, but the Devil King, like all of them, like they think oh, I think it's what her magic gets sucked away or anything. Anyway, basically she's fucked up and Devil King's just like, oh, well, she's of no use to me anymore and just sort of like walks off and leaves her. And there's just moments like that where they come across the monsters as so cold and callous and cruel. And I found that kind of fascinating, really interesting because I think they just kept doing it even when I would least expect it. And of course, Sonogong does it as well, you know. He acts like he's madly in love with her and then he'll do something or say something to remind you of the fact that as far as he's concerned, the second that bracelet's coming off, she's a dead woman. <laughs> like it's, it's harsh. It's very interesting though. Um, so there's some very funny stuff as well around, um, Devil King is sort of, he's kind of like a celebrity and he runs like a, you know, an, like a celebrity agency basically. And he's on TV and stuff. Um, but there's some funny dialogue where they're kind of talking about some famous, like real life Korean actors and actresses and kind of saying like, which ones are, you know, monsters and which aren't. There was a very funny one about Jung Nara and talking about, um, you know, that clearly she's a monster because she, you know, never looks any older after all these years, which of course is very true about very beautiful Jung Nara, who just looks so young forever. Um, and then there was something very funny where I'm pretty sure the Devil King says something about um, they're actually considering plastic surgery to make her look older because people are starting to notice. And that was very funny. And there's also a very funny uh, little cameo by the actor Jung Gun Suk as well, who... Um, Hasn't been around so much lately in K-Drama Land, but was a big kind of star, I guess, when I first started watching. And he was in a very silly drama with Moon Gun Young that I was obsessed with for some reason called Marry Me Mary, which I just like, my gosh, I rewatched the kiss scene in that drama so many times. <laughs> also rewatched the drama, weird old drama. Anyway. Um, so what else have I got on my little list? So a lot of the, the, sh the episodes, you know, there's obviously this overarching story because in that pot of, I don't know, magic pot that's on me has a little look in every now and then she also sees a fucking apocalypse, which is, yeah, that's pretty intense. So the overarching thing is 
there's a fucking apocalypse and it's going to happen. And the other overarching storyline is, you know, does Sonogong really love her? Does he not love her? What will happen? You know, what's going to happen when the bracelet comes off? But then also, are they fated to be together? Are they fated to be enemies? Are they fated to murder each other? It's all pretty interesting, that stuff. But then in between that, we kind of have Monster of the Week episodes as well. There's a lot going on in this show. So I like some of the Monster of the Week ones more than other ones. But one that I thought was very interesting kind of delves into Devil King's backstory. And he kind of goes inside this... I guess it's like a video really, but through this video of like occupation era, um, so Japanese occupied Korea, um, I guess like, well, I don't know when it's set, like 30s or something. Um, and they go back and they, they kind of are there, but they're sort of not there as well, but they're in someone's memories of there or this, this captured moment that exists. It's very interesting. Um, but they're there and there's this little ghost and she is, um, she, this tiny little girl who's wearing, um, you know, Japanese traditional dress and speaking in Japanese and she's very cranky little thing. Um, and there's this whole mystery around, like, she's a very creepy little ghost and it's very interesting. And I, I found this whole storyline, you know, it's only a small thing, but it, it kind of comes back in with the villain later on. But I thought it was fascinating, this idea of this secret in that this family that is now in modern day Korea, you know, unbelievably wealthy and successful and respected as being, you know, this illustrious, you know, pro-Korean family throughout the generations. And then you find out that actually... Um, you know, when this old lady was a tiny girl, um, her father collaborated with the Japanese and did some very, very terrible things. And she, as an adult, is it's almost like she's trying to well, she's trying to kill anyone who remembers this thing. And it's this shameful thing. But also, I don't it was very fascinating and also just interesting, again, I think, as an insight into yeah, I mean, there must be, this is just random, just thinking about Korea now, but there must be a lot of families that maybe still live in Korea and, you know, it's not the generation now's fault, but maybe they're living with wealth that's been accumulated because of reasons like that. It's just, it must be just such a sensitive topic in Korea. It was very interesting, I think, to see it sort of touched on in this, you know, fantasy ghost horror setting. And I thought it was done very well. It was very creepy. So yeah, I liked that. Um, so I've just written here that basic, like the the setup for this drama is absolute like gold. Like I wish I'd thought of it. Like the idea that he hates her, but because of this bracelet, he has to love her, and because he loves her, does he really love her or not? And just the the romantic angst and conflict that comes out of that setup, like. What a cool idea. I loved it. It's it's very, very good. Uh, so another kind of episode of the week that I really, really liked was this really creepy kind of horror-y kind of feeling one again with this, this spirit who uh, is, or a monster, I suppose, and she's what she says is saving little children. So little kids that are, for instance, you know, abandoned out in the cold or getting hurt you know, abused by parents and she saves them and she puts them into storybooks and the storybooks are, you know, beautiful fairy tales with happiness in them. So as far as she, she's kind of doesn't think of herself as evil, but at the same time, she is taking kids away from being alive and having a future. And I thought all of this was really interesting. It was just an interesting idea, an interesting sort of I don't know, like creepy fairy tale feeling kind of story. But then Sonmi, our main character, she has such a, you know, traumatic childhood that when this woman offers to take away that traumatic childhood, Sonmi agrees and she allows her childhood self to be taken and put into a storybook to be happy forever. It's just Oh, was interesting and clever and I really liked it. It had such a such a creepy feeling to it. So that was really, really fun. Um, what have I got here? It looks like I've said Isungi as manly, but I presume I meant monkey. Because he I mean he's manly, but that's because he's a man. <laughs> um yeah, so I think that's just about just about the choice of Isungi as, you know, this character Son Gong. I really liked it. 
it was very interesting because I feel like it's the kind of casting I wouldn't have thought of myself, even though it kind of seems weird because he is, he's got a cheeky sort of vibe to him, but um, it's just that warmth thing, <laughs> but it works really well. And I like seeing him have all these very sharp edges as well. It was very interesting. Um, so he has a very fun and silly dynamic with Devil King that I really liked. I also really, really enjoyed Devil King's backstory so you know way back at the dawn of time or whatever he was in love with this woman who I don't know what is she like a goddess a deity some sort of something and you know this whole tragedy happens with their child and all this terrible stuff and to punish this woman you know she is cast down to be a human to live lives you know throughout thousands of years just live over and over but each life is utter tragedy and she is forced to relive I'm pretty sure it's like the loss of her childhood child in every single life and you know Devil King is in love with this woman and he has to see her every now and then he comes across her on earth and he sees her die tragically over and over and over in immense agony and pain and I mean like emotional agony and pain and I was like wow like for a punishment that is fucked <laughs> but it's it's very interesting and I really liked his whole backstory with you know the missing son and I really liked the reveal with the missing son I thought it was really nice and potentially the only happy ending in this whole drama oh it was really good Okay, so onto Zombie, played by the actress Issei Yong. So this was my absolute favorite part of the drama. I love her. I loved her character. I loved everything about this was unexpected. So again, very fun, fizzy drama has this scene at the start where we see this teen girl absolutely mangled and fucked up and covered in blood and dead and her limbs all at the wrong angles, like super graphic, like lying on this bloody tarp with these two gangster dudes about to bury her in a hole in the middle of like nowhere above the city, like is fucked. It's so fucked. But, um, you know, meanwhile, Sonmi's like blood is, I don't know, her blood's like flying around through the sky, <laughs> smelling like lotuses. And it flies on into this dead girl this dead teen or whatever I don't know if she's a teen I think she's a teen and she wakes up but she is a zombie and I liked this she's an actual zombie like she is a rotting dead person that is covered in blood and goop and rotting um oh and I there's some other characters um that I also like so General Winter and then his sister who's like a fairy fairy sister very spring fairy, I don't know, um, but played by the same actor, an actor called Sung Hyok. So I really liked that. I thought that was really cool. And I really liked, so like when the zombie is, I don't know, she needs a makeover or whatever. So she goes to spring fairy. Um, and so these two people, like the sister's actually living in the brother's body. And like when the brother's sleeping, the sister wakes up and then she can dress herself, you know, like herself. Um, I really liked all that. It was very cool. Um, so the zombie gets like a total makeover and she's like super beautiful, but we're constantly reminded of the fact that she is rotting, that she is not human, that she smells really bad, like a dead thing. Um, but Issei Yong just plays this character so sweetly. Like there's sort of like, she's a zombie. So you do feel like there's this detachment, this kind of slower, kind of like slightly dimmer sort of feel to her, but she's so sweet and she sort of forms this, you know, they, with uh Ki's character PK, so the kind of blonde celebrity boy who's actually like a mad demon, a pig demon. <laughs> so he kind of forms a relationship with him in that you know, he keeps calling her his little sister and he really wants to protect her. But I don't know. I felt like there was something more there between them. And her whole storyline just really surprised me. Like I just did not expect it to go anywhere that it did. So they dig up this mad priestess at some point and this priestess is sort of like, you know, she's a spirit and she really wants a body and she wants Sonmi's body because Sonmi is this powerful, magical lotus blood lady thing. <laughs> um, but she doesn't manage that and she ends up in sort of poor little zombies rotting little body. Um, and then that's it. Zombie's gone, but zombie's sort of like she's there in the head for a while. 
And we don't get this like closure that I expected. I always expected Priestess to go and Zombie to come back and maybe she'd get saved. Maybe she'd have a real goodbye with her mother who was dying. Maybe she'd have a real moment to, you know, talk through her feelings with PK. None of that happens. Like, and it, it's so bitter. I don't want to say sweet. It's not sweet. It's so bitter and it feels so like you just want more. But at the same time, I was... I liked how much it surprised me and I thought it was really well done. Like it felt so emotionally heavy that I could feel those emotions, I think, because maybe there was no neat kind of wrapped up ending for this character. So she turns into this mad like priestess and this is like someone else is in her body. Our zombie is just at some point she just drifts away and no one even knows exactly when she just is gone. And I was so sad about that. And then, you know, this whole thing with the priestess, the priestess is basically kind of this nemesis to the main characters. She's about to bring around the end of the world with this absolutely mad CGI dragon. I have goodness, that CGI. <laughs> um, and she, she was an interesting character as well. Like she's obviously infected by the zombies feelings and has these emotions, particularly around PK. But at the same time, she's so like sure of like certain about this path that she's taking which is gonna lead to the apocalypse but she's so sure that she's not a bad person and she's not doing anything bad and that whole push and pull with her I really liked I thought was really well done and her ending again so much quicker and smaller and faster than I expected and it actually hurt I but I really liked it so weird I thought it was really good um, so I've written here that I really loved the music for Devil King, like the Devil King sort of sad flashback theme particularly I really liked. Um, and there's other really good music in this too, but I think that one was my favorite. Um, and then I've just written the bittersweet sadness at the end of this show. It's so weird to think that I liked it, but I did. And I feel like, I feel like I felt more emotions and it felt more powerful as an ending because I kind of didn't get exactly what I wanted, but I feel like because of that, maybe it sunk in a little bit deeper and just made me feel more emotional. Like I wonder if I'd just gotten everything I wanted, say with zombie having this real neat, happy ending, if I just would have been like, huh, all right, cool. But instead I was like, oh my gosh, you know, our lovers, Sonogong and Sonmi, who we've seen this whole drama dealing with these issues of doubt around their love for each other, get to this point where they trust each other they love each other they know it's real love or they don't even like as she doesn't even until she's a bloody ghost like it shocked me it shocked me that she just dies and that she comes back as a ghost for like 24 hours and then she's just gone and it it's I don't know I didn't expect it even though I should have after watching Hotel de Luna which is super sad as well but I think it's just because tonally this show is so light and fun and fizzy that I just didn't expect like to get slammed in the head with I mean I knew the ending was tragic I guess I knew it just because of spoilery kind of reasons I just didn't know how it would be and I think it was just darker somehow than what I thought but I don't think it's a bad thing um, I also just want to mention that there is literally an octopus prince that comes out of the ocean, crawls inside an actress. I felt sorry for this woman. I was like, I don't know why someone doesn't try and remove this octopus from inside her person. Like, this is so uncool. Like, this octopus is wearing this woman like a skin. And then the octopus kind of falls in love with PK and is just hitting on PK at every moment and like, hey, come be my mate under the sea with me. <laughs> I loved it until I loved it until bloody octopus just dies at the end. I was like, whoa, that's really sad. <laughs> and interestingly enough, I found the the priestess's death really sad as well. Just the futility of it. Very sad. Um, all right. So that's enough. It doesn't sound like stuff I love, but it was. I actually really liked the ending. I did. All right. Stuff that I didn't love so much is up next. Okay, so stuff that I didn't love quite so much about a Korean Odyssey. So I already mentioned Sonmi's outfits. 
I thought they were boring. She's so beautiful. <laughs> um, aesthetically, I like I said, I just couldn't help but compare this to Hotel de Luna. And I think this show for me personally, I felt like it has slightly less atmosphere. I felt like Hotel de Luna aesthetically so, oh, so gorgeous and sumptuous. And this show, I don't know, it's just brighter and it didn't have that kind of atmosphere for me. And I guess I'm a bit of a sucker for atmosphere. I always really notice it um so I said I both loved and hated the zombie storyline <laughs> so sad um I, I actually think I loved it though I've decided now it's really good um Jonathan Jonathan is this character who turns up and has I thought strange hair he's played by an actor called Michael K Lee so I think in the drama he is a Japanese dude but he's living in Canada or America I can't remember um and he speaks a lot of English so we get a lot of scenes where Sonmi is speaking like asking him questions in Korean and then he's answering in English and he also has Willy Wonka hair <laughs> and I don't know. I don't, he just sort of turns up, I think, to sort of create some romantic tension with Sonogong because, you know, Jonathan's completely, you know, his childhood love is Sonmi and he's he's definitely trying to hit on her and win her back. But I just found his whole vibes kind of very strange and Willy Wonkery and, you know, compared to Sonogong, he just wasn't working for me. So he's on my stuff that I didn't love quite so much. I'm sure the actor's very nice. It was just a weird role. Um... So, what else have I got? Oh, Isungi's mad outfits. They are fucking mad. <laughs> um, there's so many. Like, some of them are really good, I have to say. There's this, this like, big puffy fur coat thing, which I thought really suited, like, his whole vibes of this kind of slightly, like, rock star-ish sort of thing that's going on where everything's weird and over the top and half gangster and half rock star. Um, very interesting. But then some of the stuff he wore, I was just like, oh no, <laughs> like, no one can look good in that. So I'm pretty sure he wears some, like, madly very, like, black and white not even pinstripe, like very thick striped, very bright striped suit at one point. I was like, hmm. And then one that particularly got me was he's wearing this kind of like, I don't know, like a knitted suit, like knitted from black material and all the, the ends of the wool are just sticking out all over the shop. And then around the cuffs are these big thick gold chains that have been just like sewn onto the cuffs it was mad it made me giggle <laughs> so it was a lot of that stuff all right so that kind of brings me to the end I think like I already talked about the ending and my stuff I loved because I really liked it I think it was really good um I weird that I liked how dark it was that it was but I think I just didn't expect it to kind of make me feel so emotional like it did so yeah I enjoyed that um so for the very end of this, before I head off home, um, I am actually at home already. <laughs> um, there's this, like, I get, you know, I guess I'll talk about the end just really briefly, but, you know, uh, Somi, she freaking dies, which I found very shocking. Um, she gets the opportunity to come back as a ghost and Sonogong's forgotten her and obviously he's reverted back to his old kind of I was going to say douchey ways. He's not really a douche. He's like a mad god. Um, and she, you know, manages to get him to remember her. And then he's able to tell her that he does love her without the bracelet, which is something that she wasn't aware of. And then she's gone. She just fades away. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? And the whole drama kind of finishes with, you know, I think it's a really nice ending for Devil King. I forgot to even mention Devil King has this like right hand woman who's his secretary who's a dog and is amazing and I really enjoyed her whole thing. So many characters, can't even mention them all. But I do think Devil King gets a really nice satisfying ending, you know, he kind of finds his son again, even though the son doesn't know and I thought that was very sweet and well done and I liked their kind of, their dynamic together and these little like sort of bickery sort of conversations were really good um and i also think that devil king and sonogong can understand each other because at the end they've both been through this these unbelievably tragic romances that they can really know how the other one is feeling and then the whole drama ends with sonogong hopping into a sports car saying he's off to get sonmi from the afterlife and then he drives on a bridge to an island and i don't know is the afterlife on the island is that where the afterlife door is? 
I kind of want to know. <laughs> I kind of want to know, but I don't know. So for the end, the actual end of this podcast, not the drama, but also the drama, <laughs> I guess I'll finish with what did I like least from Korean Odyssey? I think that the thing that I liked the least was the mad fashion, which was mad, and also the CGI dragon. So the apocalypse scene at the end, so much lead up to this, this big dragon's coming and the dragon is a CGI dragon. And I feel like this whole scene should have been shot at night so that I didn't see how CGI the dragon was. But also I understand that, you know, shows have budgets and it's fine. Um, but yes, that was a thing that happened. But it was okay. I didn't really mind it, to be honest. It just gave me a little giggle at first. But then I was like, oh, it's a dragon. Um, so the thing that I liked best about this show... Definitely Isayong as the zombie, even though there was a lot of other things that I really, really liked as well. I think that her whole her whole thing really hurt my heart quite a lot, um, which apparently is a good thing, I suppose. Who knows? So that brings me to the end of this little bit waffly, little bit aimless, potentially not very good chat on a Korean Odyssey, also known as Hwayugi which is the 20 episode K-drama from the end of 2017. Thank you so much for listening to my Mad Waffle. Um, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop it now. Thanks. me to the very end of this week's episode um, and my long waffle about K-drama this week. I hope you tune in again next week for some more of that, probably, I imagine. Um, I just want to say a huge thank you for listening to my show and supporting my show through listening to it. Thank you all very, very much. Um, and particularly an enormous, huge thank you to all those people who have decided to support the show on Patreon. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, this week, I want to say a very special shout out and thank you to new Patreon supporter, Susan Lilly. Thank you so much, Susan. It's so lovely of you to support the show. Um, and it really, really encourages me to, you know, keep making this thing. <laughs> it really, really does make a difference to me. So thank you very much. Um, and thank you to all my Patreons. Um, so I think that's it for this week. I'm going to go and I really hope that you'll all tune in again next week for some more waffling. All right. Goodbye, everybody.